All right, how is it going, everyone? Hope you're all having a great day, morning, evening, wherever you are. And thank you for tuning in to a, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Forward Thinking. This is an, a podcast where we bring on guests where they talk about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. And today we have an awesome guest on with us. We have Laura Barons Wu, CEO of Shippo. Laura, how's it going? Hey. Pretty good today. Um, it's almost the end of the day for us, and I'm about to have a, a company happy hour after this, so I'm looking forward to that. But it's been a good day. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, my day's been good as well. It's always good when you're nearing the end of the day, especially when you have a happy hour, uh, happy hour to look forward to. That's awesome. Yeah, for sure. Um, no, I'm, I'm super excited. I think a uh, podcast is like a great day to great way to end a successful day. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Hey, a successful day. That's awesome. Well, let's, I mean, let's go right into it. I mean, every single, every single day you're working on Shippo. So um, can you go into, give us an idea of, of what Shippo is and kind of go into that? Yeah, of course. So um, our customers are e-commerce stores and every single e-commerce store out there needs to ship. Um, I think that's just in the nature of e-commerce stores. There are no physical stores anymore for the customer to walk into. So the merchant needs to figure out how to ship the package from their home, from their warehouse to the customer. And we are the technology that helps you do that. So we're a platform that connects you to a network of different shipping providers. Then we help you optimize. We give you access to data and analytics. Um, and in the end, we give you a shipping label, tracking numbers, customs documents, um, discounted shipping rates, all of that. So it's one platform to manage all of your shipping needs. That sounds like a very powerful platform. I mean, how would you get started in, into building something like that? Can you tell us a, a little bit of the backstory? Yeah, of course. Um, I think it's like no one really uh, grows up wanting to be in the shipping industry. And uh, that's that was not the case for me either. Like when I was younger, I for sure didn't imagine to uh, build a shipping software company. What happened was I came to San Francisco roughly four or five years ago. And um, I'm originally from Germany. I came over as an intern to work at a tech startup called LendUp. So I was with them for a little bit. And while I was at LendUp, um, together with my now co-founder, Simon, we wanted to build like a, an e-commerce store that was really meant to be a weekend and side project. So we built an e-commerce store for fun to learn how to build a, a store, how to run a business. And while doing so, we realized that a bunch of the existing technologies out there for, for shipping are rather clunky and difficult to use. So I think it was like just day and night when you try to use the FedEx API compared to using the Stripe API or the, the Shopify user interface. And that was, kind of like from a developer experience that was weird to us. So that was the first time we realized like shipping technologies are not as intuitive as other e-commerce building blogs. And from there, um, we really took Stripe as an inspiration early on and we wanted to make sure that everyone, no matter how experienced you are in shipping, um, can get started with our technology and get their package out and get the best shipping option within like minutes yeah absolutely i can see you eliminate eliminating many headaches that people would have if they had to work with an archaic api like like, like something that was built 20 20 years ago uh so yeah that's awesome 
can you tell us a little bit about where, like, like so obviously you've, like, so you, when did you start the company? Just give a little context. How, how long have you been working on it currently? So the company is four and a half years old now. We started, actually almost five years. We started um, beginning of 2014, I think. Okay. So how has your thoughts on, on what you're doing changed from, from five years ago to now? Like as, as you've grown into a much bigger company, has the vision changed? Has your motives or goals changed along the way? Yeah, I think it, like, it has changed dramatically. So yeah, thanks for asking. It's a quite interesting question. I think there are a couple of different perspectives. On the one hand, I'm just talking about the product that we're building and, and the industry we've, we're in. So I think in the meantime, we've been able to benefit from a couple of um, industry trends that were outside of our control, but that were very much in our favor. So that has quite shaped um, how we look at the product and, and the kinds of functionalities that we build. And what I'm talking about is really that Amazon and Amazon Prime has taught end customers to expect free and fast shipping. So the everyone who's not Amazon, all the other e-commerce merchants are feeling that sort of pressure, that they need to be able to offer shipping options that are uh, comparable to something that Amazon is able to offer because that's what the consumers expect these days. So that's one industry trend that um, has been guiding our product decisions. The other one is like more people than ever are able to build an online store. So it's really amateurs that are able to get started, use Shopify, use Magento, BigCommerce, PayPal, Stripe, all of the building blocks are out there. They don't even need to be developers anymore. And then they can just piece together their, their online store and become e-commerce merchants. But what that also means is that we need to build technology that's really easy and intuitive to use. We can't assume that someone knows anything about shipping just because they're an online merchant. Um, and I think that's actually like the most exciting part for me, that we're making sure that our customers can focus on what they're really excited about, which is mostly like sell, making amazing products, reaching their customers, and um, abstract away everything on the shipping related side and build a brand that our customers can trust so that they know their packages are always going to be taken care of. Um, so that's one angle where like my thinking has changed a little. And like it, it, what has also changed is like when we just started, we thought this would be a developer centric company uh, because Stripe and Twilio are both like very developer centric API companies. And with the, the angle now that people who start e-commerce stores are actually non-technical people and anyone can start an e-commerce store. We were still um, focused on developers. Like our technology still needs to be very developer friendly, but we've like shifted away into selling directly to e-commerce merchants, to non-technical people as well, and making sure that those can use, like these kinds of people can use our platform without having to learn how to code. Um, so that's, that's one part on the product side um, that I think has been guided by just industry shifts. And then on the, on the company building side, I would say like every year as the company scales, like my thinking as a CEO or like my role as a CEO has changed. Um, and, and I'm looking like everything, things I do this year are dramatically different from what I did a year before or two years ago. Um, starting from when we were just a couple of people in the office and like everyone had to do everything hands-on. I, I wore many hats. I like 
spoke to customers every single day, responded to customer support tickets myself, um, went to talk to investors, fundraising, all of that stuff. And then we started hiring team members. It's a small team, so everyone was still doing everything themselves. But then you start learning how to manage people and then you keep growing the team and then it's, it's, it, you start doing less and less as an individual contributor and it's more about delegating, it's about managing, learning how to influence people, inspire people, uh, make sure everyone's happy at work. So these are a lot more of the soft skills where you start appreciating um, how to guide and manage teams, build great organizations, and make sure this is a company that people like coming to work to um, because it's just impossible for you to be able to do everything yourself anymore. Yeah, that is a, honestly, that's a fascinating look into it, how the role of, of a CEO changes over time and, and directly relatable. Um, I mean, I'm in the beginning, the beginning end of, of a CEO and just seeing how you explain that path. That's just interesting to me. Hopefully that's the path I go down too. So as you keep, as you keep growing the company and you keep scaling the company and yourself, um, the last question on the company, where do you, like, where are you rowing to? Like, like. 50 years from now, what role does the Shippo pay? Uh, uh, sorry, what role does Shippo play in the whole landscape of shipping, e-commerce, the internet? Like, like where? How big can this company get? What's your vision for it? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we. I, I often like. I try to ask myself the question: like, if Shippo succeeds, what would the world look like? And I think we're looking at. The, the e-commerce space is a really fast-growing space. So I'm like very happy that we've been able to find um, a, a product that can grow alongside a fast-growing industry. And e-commerce is just keeps growing, and every single e-commerce store needs to ship. So I think we've been really lucky around that. What has also um, influenced our decision back then to to start this company is like the the founder I used to work for at LendUp. He gave me a brilliant piece of advice, which is focus on building something that's painkillers, not vitamins. So like if you identify a problem that's a real pain point for your customers, that's a good problem to solve instead of trying to sell, sell someone something that's nice to have, but not a must have. So um, that was like, this, this has played out really well for us. And then what we're seeing is like more people are able to start stores online, more people are selling online. Um, customers are expecting faster delivery times. So more people are like, there are new shipping providers that are emerging to be able to um, meet the increased demand of, of shipping and then meet the demand of faster shipping. So that the shipping space is changing as well and becoming more fragmented, which is really fascinating. And then as the shipping space becomes more fragmented, um, a, a unified technology layer that connects all of these different shipping providers just starts making more and more sense. And then the last piece, like the last two pieces I want to throw in is like, I do believe that e-commerce does not see any geographical boundaries. So customers, when they shop online, they don't really know if this store is located in the US and Sweden and Germany and China. They, they just like find a product that they like and they order it and they expect it to arrive at their doorstep within a couple of days. And I do think that's like really fascinating because it, it implies a lot of trust as well. You're ordering something from someone you've never met before, they're across the world, and you trust that they'll be able to deliver the package um, to your 
to your home. And so the, the international aspect, I think, is something that we're really excited about, helping our merchants reach customers no matter where they are. And um, the last aspect to throw in there, like about the future of, of shipping and, and our platform, I do think that people want to make fewer choices and decisions. So that's um, where I see automation and um, machine learning come in. So learning the preferences of our customers um, and their customers and making sure that things like that, that the shipping decisions are being automated and that they basically have um, a smart like shipping tool that learns the more packages they ship. You're painting a pretty pretty awesome future for like shipping and logistics and whatnot and e-commerce. I'm curious if we if we zoomed out a bit and just looked at the future the future in general, what other industries are ones that you are interested in or just paying attention to? It could be education, healthcare, government, technology, future of work, anything. But like what, what, what are some things that are being built now that you think are interesting that might impact the future in pretty, pretty big ways? Yeah, I think that is really why I love being in Silicon Valley. Like you get access to people here that are working on these kinds of things. Everyone's thinking about the future and everyone's working on something that's bigger and crazier than, than you are currently working on. So I'm just like insanely inspired to be in this community of people. Um, so recently I was asking someone at an event what, what he's currently thinking about for the like, exciting future possibilities. And he said if he could build a company again, he'd built one in asteroid mining. And that was something I've, like, I've never even thought about before. Um, and I, I just like having, being able to have these kinds of conversations, I think is what makes Silicon Valley really, really powerful. Um, if you're asking me like personally, what I'm excited about in the future is like, I am not knowledgeable enough to comment much on it, but very excited about uh, the future of like uh, brain interfaces and seeing how that would change um, like communication and how humans interact with each other. Yeah, that's um, that's an interesting space. Uh, you know, like when people talk about that, um, at least like five or seven years ago, for me, I was like, oh yeah, like that'll happen whenever it happens, but mm -hmm. not anytime soon. But then uh, Elon Musk comes out with Neuralink, and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's gonna happen sooner than I expected because Elon's gonna do what it, what what he says he's gonna do. So it's um, and he's not the only only person obviously working on um on brain machine uh like interfaces. Uh, so yeah, it's fascinating, and I'm. Uh, that's that's an area that scares me, excites me, makes me excited for the future, makes me horrified <laughs> for the future. All those things combined into one. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think, like personally, I've just been a, a sci-fi fan for a really long time. So it's been something you know that you read in sci-fi books. It seems very far out there, and then it's just extremely interesting and exciting when you realize it's something that people are currently working a bit on. It's not too far off, and it's something that we might be able to try. Uh, in a not so distant future. Yeah, absolutely. And that actually leads me really well to my, my next question. What have been, I'll kind of cater it to what you just said, what have been some sci-fi novels or movies or magazines or anything that have, that have inspired you or what, some that like stuck, stick out when you're thinking of, of the future or what could be? Hmm, some sci-fi novels that I've read. Um, so 
I mean, there, there are a couple of classics that I always enjoy reading. The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is a good one. It's one of my favorites. But then a more recent one could be The Three-Body Problem that I, I really enjoyed. I think The Three-Body Problem has this interesting aspect around, like, or, or a bunch of these, like, Contact by Carl Sagan is another great one. Like, these interesting questions around, like, what would happen if we do discover that there is um, intelligent life out there wow. and um, would humanity unite uh, what would what would the future look like with like such a crazy disruption of our world order and I, I love thinking about that um let me see what else did I read that I enjoy like demon was a great one yeah mm, just any inspiration when you think of when you think of the future it could be sci-fi or not but anything that that um kind of uh, you, you think of when it's like, oh, wow, like, that would be cool. I wonder if, and then that does end up happening. <laughs> oh, um, I have any inspiration in the future. Um, so, I mean, I'm wondering why there's still no flying cars. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah, what's the, what's the tweet or the, what's the um, quote from Founders Fund? Like, it, it's, we wanted flying cars and, and all we got is like 140 characters or something like that. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, <laughs> definitely valid. <laughs> yeah. But I, I do think like, I don't know if you've watched black mirror, but a bunch of these episodes, they are quite like close to uncomfortably close to uh, home and what reality oh, yeah. could look like. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I have to ask one question on black mirror and then, and then I'll ask a couple final questions. Did mm -hmm. you by chance, watch um bandersnatch oh no that was yeah wait was that was blend was bandersnatch black mirror or was that stranger it was, it was no black, it, was it was black mirror did you watch it and, not um, yet have okay. you watched it i did watch it i won't um i won't go into it obviously because i don't want to spoil it but that yeah. um that format is just uh there was another i had another guest on um brayden from from voice flow and he was he he went like 10 minutes in on talking about the just the format and not so much the story but like how it was delivered and he thinks that's the future 100 percent. Mm, so it's yeah mm. definitely watch it it's a fascinating way to deliver entertainment 100 percent. i'm okay i'm looking forward to look at to watching that i think like one of the uh things i watched on netflix recently i enjoyed was the documentary about the fire festival it's oh my just... gosh yes <laughs> yeah, last night oh my gosh yeah, no, I think like when I look at that, it's it's quite interesting to like kind of he compare that to or to think about like what level of being delusioned is where where does it become unhealthy? Because I do think as a founder you need to be very optimistic and things might seem unlikely, but you just know you're going to work so hard to make it happen. Um but then it's like it's it becomes like you they obviously crossed the line where it became fraud. Right. Um, but <laughs> yeah, so that was a good one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, it, I think in the first half of the, of the documentary, it's like, oh, like this guy is, I mean, he's pushing the limit, but he's not that bad. Like nothing that bad has happened. And then the second mm -hmm. half of the documentary, you're just like, oh my gosh, what am I watching? <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. And then, well, I don't want to spoil it. Let's, yeah, th there are a couple of spoilers. Uh, maybe the audience not watching. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> I, I think they, they appreciate that. Uh, so cool. Okay. Well, I have, I have one last question for you. So uh -huh. you obviously have built a, a very quality company and are scaling every day that is, that is impacting the future. 
and and you said it yourself you're in you're inside of silicon valley where everyone's building the future so what would you say to to someone whether they're 15 45 83 like doesn't matter the age but they want mm-hmm. to start a company or just do something to impact the future and build the future like what advice would you would you have for them yeah so i think what i see a lot is that people overthink um what they want to be working on and i think if you're just getting started it's really about taking a lot of opportunities or any opportunity you can see and then and then move forward with that so what i mean by that is when we started our e-commerce store we like we knew that wasn't going to be an idea that's going to be a huge company but we didn't have anything else to work on so we started to work on a side project and as soon as you're starting to work on a side project i think you'll start discovering interesting problems you'll start meeting interesting people um we could have just kept working for um like kept like brainstorming and um trying to find something that's better than starting an e-commerce store but i think like starting that just one thing leads to another you never know what happens and I would just not overthink it at the very beginning. Like when you see an opportunity, take it. And then opportunities will lead to more opportunities. All right, everyone. You heard it first from Laura. So <laughs> thank you so much, Laura, for being on the podcast. Super insightful and interesting conversation. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for everyone that is tuning in. I appreciate that you're spending the time with with me and Laura today and I look forward to get bringing you the next episode next week. I hope you're enjoying the podcast and hope you're enjoying the day and I hope you all have a great day.